shining a beacon on the bazaar. Sunny, gotta keep them boilers going. Look at a big bloody load of wood. Hello, look at this little tree. That'll be nice in the boiler. Come here, give me axe. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh, what are you doing, our kid? No, no, stop it! Stop it! What are you doing? Oh, mate, I need the wood, pal. It's all right for you tossing it off upstairs. I need to get the timber. Bloody hell! Let you talk over that tree. It's a special tree. Oh, fucking special! So it's gonna be special on our fire, pal. Don't you dare chop! Oh, you're being bothered if you chop this down. You've got to remember. Why? Because it's a tree that belongs to the little folk. What, Billy Dobson over on mainland? That little git? No, not Billy Dobson. <laughs> Why? What do you mean? The little, the magical folk, you know. They're not fucking magical. They make things disappear at co-op. A lot of them are bloody f <laughs> tea leaves. Beep <laughs> <laughs> <Meep> it. <laughs> no, well, I'm not on about Billy Dobson and his family. I know they're all short asses and they're all short asses. <laughs> they're weird, a lot of them. <laughs> Are they a bit inbred, the Dobsons, though? No, we're on about the fairy folk. Oh, right. So fairy folk, that tree? Yeah, you got to be careful of it, you mm. see. These magical things happening down at Crack and Cove. The podcast that shines a beacon to the, to the bizarre. <laughs> and I'm Matt. I'm Benny. <laughs> and eventually, you see, we've got to look at the, the, the magical realms, the Ooh. other places. The thin places, they call Ooh, it. Oh, that sounds delightful. So I think today what we might do, we'll do a bit of casting, but then we might cast our way over towards Island, not the island of Kraken Cove, but just Ireland. Ooh, Ireland <laughs> for their lucky chance. <laughs> oh, a lot. <laughs> Any row, you put your axe down, stop faffing around with that, right? And let's get casting. Oh, aye. First boat out of the harbour today <laughs> isn't a boat. Oh. Oh, we're going in the air, our kid. Lovely. So that's what we like. But Let's this is soar up high. Yeah, but this is a story from the BBC, right? And it uh -huh. says, A pilot in a near miss at Shuttleworth Air Show was distracted by a passenger. Well, like, like waving front rounds. <laughs> 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 well, this guy, right? I mean, I've read this story, obviously, already. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this guy, I just want to see him, right? Because <laughs> get this, right? A pilot who was involved in a near-miss at an air show may have been distracted by a passenger trying to take control of the aircraft, Jesus. an investigation has found. Right? Wait, about an air show, you don't have a passenger, do you? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> this is, this, hmm. The plane almost hit another at the Shuttleworth driving event at Old Warden, Bedfordshire, on the 27th of September. And a UK Air Props board report said the passenger kept resting their hands and feet on the controls. Oh my right. god! <laughs> so, uh, and it's uh, and it classed the risk of collision as B, the second highest category. Right. Jeez. So, according to the report, one of the aircraft, a PA18, don't know what type that is, yeah. was towing a glider into position for the air display. So, I'd imagine it's a fairly big, biggish plane. You know yeah. what I mean? 
and then the other plane, a PA-46, then came 50 feet below and 200 feet horizontally from the glider and its towing plane. So 240, it's only sort of 60.9 metres, so yeah. we're talking and down those at, speeds, at those speeds as well, yeah. right? The PA-18 pilot who had been looking at the glider said they saw the other plane flying in front of them and did not have time to carry out the avoiding action. So it flew in front, they were flying towards it and then went round, sort of flew in, crossed in front of Jesus, them. Jesus, you know? because this passenger's fucking about with control. The, the difficult passenger, as it was called, right? <laughs> the PA-46 pilot said they saw the other aircraft pass behind, but no avoiding action was required because they did not consider there was a risk of collision, but there was, obviously, oh. you know. However, they also reported they had experienced some difficulty with the passenger in the right-hand seat. They were constantly asking to try to fly the aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> and despite numerous requests for them not to do so, kept resting their hands and feet on the controls. What's he going to do? He's going to fly it with his trotters? Why, <laughs> why is his fucking feet on there? Well, it's, it's like, well, have you ever been in a, in a smaller aircraft? No. Well, you have, right. Well, you have the, the exact same controls on left and right. Yeah, I've seen that in movies. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and some of the controls are with your feet. All oh, right, yeah, So there's yeah. foot pedals. He's not getting them up on that. <laughs> I'm thinking, he's probably, stick. he's a go. He's yeah. going to breathe better feet Take your hands off. Woo! Pilots are going, take your hands off that. All these are my hands. So then, we, uh, well, that's the thing I want to know: who he is this guy? <laughs> so, and first of all, right. So let's let's break this apart. So first of all, this guy's in the plane, right? Yeah. At an air show. A bit of a treat, it sounds like, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, like I mean, won a raffle or something. Yeah, he can it. go up. But it was he was he fucking Mr. Bean or something? <laughs> Give us a go, go on, give us a go. Well, I love to go. See, was he that distracted the pilot that he kind of messed up a bit? Or did yeah, he that's what happened. Right. So, so, so he's there turning around, he's, he's trying to fly the aeroplane, he's got a job to do, he's at an air show, it's quite high. Right. The thing is, everybody's watching, you know what I mean? And then next thing you've got this dickhead. So yeah. going, oh, can I have a go, mate? I've got a little, go on, have a quick go, grabbing at the Grabbing his feet everywhere. Yeah. And <laughs> Just getting really excited and <laughs> taking his shoes and socks off. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> so yeah, that's it. So this pilot must have been so fucking distracted by this Christ. dickhead that he's nearly crashed the plane into another one. I'm not being funny. If there were an ejector, I'd have sent him out, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even if he didn't have a parachute, because you've got to look all innocence down below. Another plane thing we're fucking about to see you. I'd have dumped him. Because the thing is, we like small aircraft as well. It's like being in a Reliant Robin. Yeah. It's not solid. It's, it's weird. It's just basic, isn't it? Super basic, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's like, because I, I, oh, quite a few years ago now, I, I oh, 20 odd years ago. Oh, no, is it more? Don't say that. Probably is. Have yeah. you been in a plane? Yeah, <laughs> about 30 years ago, I went in a light <laughs> aircraft with a mate called Moose, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, you had a mate that flew or something, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he was trying to get his pilot's license. So what he said was, he says, any of you mates want to go for a bit of a fly around, right? Yeah. Um, he said, you can just give us a, we'll just split the fuel, you know wow, what I mean? Right, so I'll yeah. bung him like 20 quid or something. Next thing, we're good for a fly. Right? Oh, Jesus. Like, but it's what's scary. weird? Oh, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, I bet. Because you, you go up there, right, and he just makes his silly little brrrr noise, right? Wow. And then he sort of goes, right, where do you want to go then? <laughs> I don't know. When, when yeah, you can, can just fly off yeah, anywhere. you can just fly off. You just have a buzz around. What? 
you just plot where you're going and you, you forward that route then to the uh, tower. Right. So they say, oh, don't go that way because there's already somebody going that way. Yeah, or the yeah. container will say, yeah, fine, off you, off you drop, mate. My so we just t- steer her out. Off we went, you're just, just buzzing around. It's really oh, good It's man. good fun. I bet it's fun, but my ass be nipping to oh, yeah. around. Well, the thing is, then he starts doing this because, oh, you know, talking about how the flaps work and everything. He says, but you can steer with door, he says, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he pops door up, so shoving door up. Like, like, <laughs> and, oh, oh, <laughs> and he gets his shoes and socks on. Look at this, do it with me feet. <laughs> his little clipboard with all the things on it right he puts his clipboard on me, on me lap right and he goes puts all these like pens and stuff like oh will you hold these for us please right? <laughs> then he goes into a big dive done it and everything starts floating around can't help you oh no I'll be losing me a lunch and everything God. and he says to us he says um, oh, do you want to go <laughs> I says not really I says he says, go on, get your result. You put your feet here and put your hands here. This is how you steer it, right? He says, right, you're flying now, right? Jesus, you've flown a plane. I've flown a plane. But I didn't like it. It's yeah. really hard to control if you don't know what you're doing, right? You yeah. just get dipping and you oh, keep swinging God. around and also it's because the wind buffets you. Yeah, because yeah. I'd overdo it. You'd know, overplay it one way, then other way, and then I'd be like what, crash diving and panicking. And, and that's, exactly what, that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> Struggling to get out and yeah. stuff, and I just forget where well, I was. <laughs> says, I don't like it. Go over. He says, no. <laughs> I'm like going, please, Moose, please. <laughs> He's like, no, no, you fly it, yo. <laughs> I give it the old right. I'm closing my eyes in three seconds. Three, two. Well, don't let me. He's that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, it's easier. And i the landing's the worst bit. You just, uh, you just feel like you're falling out of the sky. Oh, it feels God. like it's not going right. The land comes up to you so quickly. Uh, and the, the, the landing strip is right over a housing estate. And we're all wobbling. It's flopping around and all sorts. God, oh, God, how do you live somewhere like that, the nutters? You know oh, what I mean? I couldn't handle it. No, no, I love amateurs. So I could fly yeah, over here. Some gold moose landing a plane with his feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like not on, is it? So maybe one moose who's in this aircraft. Well, it could have been. Yeah, could have been passenger. It sounds. <laughs> good. So luckily, tragedy was averted and nobody yeah. died in the flight. Well, so that's, that's quite good. Because the air shows are dangerous enough, isn't oh, it? I know. You need to get, some... get insurance going places oh, like that. I've seen some, some amazing things at air shows. I saw one, one footage of a guy. He had a B-52 bomber, right? And, he, and he's oh. flying it around this B-52 like you would, sort of, I don't know, just like a, a little stunt sort of biplane. Jesus. And he's swinging it around and you're thinking, what are you doing? Oh. And also he just lost a bit too much altitude. A wing clipped and the whole thing just blew up. Oh, and you God. think, good grief, you know. It's not right, no. is it? There's been some aero ones that have managed to like pull just away from crowds and stuff, yeah, isn't there? And they've died just because they've saved the crowd. I know, that? just fucking like, mental. Nah, ain't, ain't that good. Watch it on telly or something. You know what <laughs> Watch it on telly, that's the t- <laughs> good advice for life, eh? <laughs> Don't do it, just watch it on telly. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> flying and stuff like that you need to be qualified don't you oh, that's definitely. the thing you know you don't want to be underqualified you know you don't say yeah. like a half-assed pilot you want, <laughs> you want the full machine don't you, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? time you know no. but the, 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 it sort of stands as well for driving a car though yeah you know yeah. you need to be sort of fully qualified to drive a car right there's a, 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 a thing here where a bloke has been put a bit of a wrong on this guy right mm. 
and he's been jailed, right, for wrapping bandages around his head and taking the driving theory test for others. Right? Well, I'm not getting that. See, I get to, he wraps bandages. Oh, so he's pretending to be someone else. He's been, I've been stung by a wasp. <laughs> Is the theory bit the driving bit? Yeah, uh, no, the theory bit's the sort of written test ah, sort of thing. It's right. all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's it. <laughs> Come on, Maureen, come in here. Oh, um. <laughs> Just, hello. <laughs> so a man who has been taking the driving theory test for other people by wrapping a bandage around his head has been arrested after his scam was discovered by staff members. And this is a story from Greg Evans of The Independent, right? But I won't mind, but it says 28-year-old Izmir Senaj, right, from East Ham, London had reportedly used numerous excuses for his head injuries at several DVSA sites across the country where he was doing tests for people who had agreed to let him do them on their behalf. Now, the thing is as well, I mean, he, he wrapped his head up, right, and all this sort of stuff, you yeah. know. But it, I'm, I'm only guessing here, but Izmir Senage, right, and I imagine he's probably an Asian chap or something yeah, like that, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 that's it. So I suppose there's only a certain demographic demographic of people you yeah. can sort of present to be. Yeah. Women Mr. Are Smith. Yeah, Mr. Smith. Mr. <laughs> Smith. And he comes to get away, but... Maybe he just uses more bandages. <laughs> but his scheme eventually came to an end in Swindon when a staff member had recognised him from a wanted appeal oh. and contacted the police. So Senaj has pleaded guilty on four counts of fraud at Swindon Crown Court and was given a jail sentence of two years and four months. And the judge said, your actions show a callous disregard for the system which is designed to ensure that only those qualified to drive safely get behind the wheel of a car. Right, so that's totally true, is that, you know what I mean? He actually do time, he's got two and a half years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, because it's fraud, yeah, and it's dangerous. Well, that's it, you know, it's it's underqualified people behind a car, wow. So the court heard that he had attended four different test centres in the south of England where he had a variety of excuses for his injuries, such as falling off a ladder and being struck in the head while working on a building site, right? <laughs> I want to see a picture. Is it full head or moving well, that's up? That's what we were that? saying. Yeah, that's what we were saying. So he's actually, he's actually turned up at one site, right, claiming he was a, he was a Serbian chap, right? Oh. So maybe he is. I don't know. I don't know who mm. works. Right? They said, you're not a Serbian, mate. You know, we're not having any of this. Ooh. So uh, and and the uh, and the sort of sent him on his way. There's a few t- places turned up at, and he's sort of he's claiming wow. to be this, and he's you know he's just not so done. So he it. could have done more than far early. We're trying. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's twenty eight um, offences. He's coming to. He was uh, he got five convictions for twenty eight offences. God, how he like advertised his uh, evil ways. Well, the thing I. Well, maybe like it. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe it's like a community thing. But yeah. have you, have you, you've done the written test, won't you? I didn't know. It was years ago, when I passed my. Well, test. I, I, I had to do the written test. It's a piece of piss. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's dead easy. All ah, right. So I just think. Oh no, I did some there. I can't, I can't remember. You had to on the day. You want all that come new. You know, when it's a split test, mine were just like one Well, test it's basically what you do. Yeah. Nowadays, I think it's all like on a computer. Right? Yeah. On all these sort of things, what do you do if this happens? Well, you don't actually write anything down. You just yeah. sort of press keys on a, on a computer. Yeah. You know, oh, I didn't give him 40 quid. He passed me. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even go out and car park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was when uh, Robo Pete was driving and exactly. stripped on the yeah. <laughs> Happy days. <laughs> but he can't even drive himself. <laughs> yeah. me up wall. <laughs> but no, so what, I mean, that's... I think they're highly dangerous, but it seems weird that this is a scam that's going on somewhere, you know? I wonder how much you charge, you must, you know, it must be a bit to be take the risk, you know? Well, to, well, to take the risk and to travel around all over the south of England. <laughs> Dressed as a mummy. I wonder if he's been, that's his age, just a bit, what, where, where do you come up with this idea? 
it's bizarre. I'm it, a genius scheme. Maybe they're just so good at it. You're like, well, oh, this is like a god-given talent. I've got like <laughs> just weird, though. You know, yeah. you're just. But I'm glad he's been caught. Glad yeah, he's in jail now. You know what I mean? In the slammer. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. For the planting and the purling and the berry fields of blur, we'll meet up with our kinfolk from all the world around. When the gang of boot folk take the road and yellows on the broom, when yellows on the broom, when yellows on the broom, and I'll get you on the road again. When yellows on the broom. So we've been for a bit of a, a bit of a fly around there, and then we've been yeah. for a bit of a spin, haven't we? On those <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles. Well, what we need now, maybe, is a boat. That'd be nice. You count on a nice boat. Yeah. And this is the story of the unseaworthy Noah's Ark replica detained at Ipswich waterfront. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! How big were it? So this is a story from the BBC, right? A, a giant replica of Noah's Ark has been deemed unseaworthy <laughs> and detained where it is docked, right? <laughs> And do you want to see a picture of this yeah. thing, right? You know. Look at the size of that fucker. <laughs> Whoa, let me properly have a look. Wow! Where have they built that? What's that mean? It's, it's ma- colossal. It's like a row of terraced houses, isn't it? It's like. It's, it's massive, isn't geez. it? Jeez. <laughs> oh, it's not a church thing, done it? So, well, they're 70 foot long or 270 metre or 230 foot long ship. Crikey. Which has been transformed into, transformed into a floating museum, arrived in Ipswich in 2019. In response to a Freedom of Information request made by the East Anglian Daily Times, the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency said the vessel was not safe to leave due to deficiencies. Now to the, uh, to the listener there, basically what we're looking at is just, as you imagine, a gigantic Noah's Ark. And the ship was bought for 3 million euros, sorry, 2.6 million pounds. And its owner, Dutch TV and theatre producer Ard Peters, previously said he wanted to create a talking point for people from all backgrounds. Mm. And it houses wooden sculptures depicting Bible stories, oh, including Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, as well as the nativity scene. Right? Now, if you, if you ask me, mix in it, yeah, but Cain and Abel. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? We kill your brother? Is it in, in, inside? In some of the side? Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. Insecticide? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Insecticide. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> Big beetle having a go at each other. <laughs> He's a, he said as well, he wants to create a talking point for people from all backgrounds. It isn't from all backgrounds, is it? Because yeah. not everybody believes in the Bible. Exactly. Yeah, and I, think, I mean, let's face it, a lot of people... Harry Krishna dudes there, a Buddhist dude. He's looking at... Have a chat about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's bloody horrible. What do you mean everybody died, except the people on the boat? Yeah. And I about, well, there was only about four humans, was it? About, yeah. like, about seven humans got on the boat. Mm. All from the same family. Exactly. So they all been, was incesticide. Yeah, not half. <laughs> and the rest were animals. I know. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Bob Dolly the sheep. <laughs> so, a, sp- <laughs> a spokesman for the MCA said the vessel Noah's Ark will remain detained until all the deficiencies have been put right, and a maritime and coast guard agency surveyor is invited back by the owners to check that they have been corrected. Maybe just sign out all bullshit stories that are inside. Looks <laughs> <laughs> inside, the ship's fine, but that's all under bollocks. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Throw it all in water, all that. Yeah. <laughs> Getting able. 
<laughs> Look at that cabin up there at the bottom of there's Adam and Eve, eh? Whoa! What's the matter with Eve's knockers? <laughs> They're not right, are they? They're not. She don't look right happy about it. No. She's got her apple, though. She still doesn't look happy with apple, does she? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like looking away, like, nope, to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, in it? You know, you. I mean, what's the point? 2.3 million quid, right? Mm. On a on a boat that's meant to look like a mythical boat, which probably didn't even exist properly, as they're yeah. talking about. There's no way on earth that all the animals went in two by two was on this exactly. boat then all of the entire world was wiped out by a flood that did not happen it didn't but, happen all them animals on one boat they'd be fighting like fuck one they'd be like get <laughs> off smell of shit. get off mate lions bounding round and that two of them cheaters embrace the cheaters but even then all it takes is like, for one to sort of like one lion to kill one at cows yeah. and I think Oh, well, that's that fun. Well, no more cows. Well, that's it. Buggered it. There might have been loads of animals before, but... <laughs> well, that's the, that's the theory of the unicorn, isn't it? Ah. I think the unicorn was too so proud to get on the boat. Mm. Uh, well, it's uh, already got in way, anyway. It would have been because of a rotten mess, wouldn't yeah, it? You know, yeah. but I mean, it's, I think there was a flood. I think there was some sort of boat. Um, yeah, I believe in flood back sounds of it, so I thought that's in every written ancient text, isn't there? Yeah, I think there was some sort of flood, but I don't think it was like a global... It can't be a global flood, because where's that water going? Exactly, it doesn't go over mountains, you can't... You haven't got enough water, have you? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, so, no, that's, that's a load of bollocks. So for somebody to go as far as to build an actual replica and say, yes, it happened. Oh, it's like his life's working it. Oh, I feel so good now that all these generations, you know what I mean, are going to go on that boat and be turned to God and... Oh, it's just yeah, horrible. I know they haven't just slapped it. No, no going anywhere in that moment. <laughs> Ruined. Can you imagine how shocked you'd be though if you're out on water and you saw that coming? I like to say to get in the for it to get in the sea to be honest, but they're not allowing mm. it in the sea, it has to stay in the port. So if you want mm. to go see a giant giant um replica of uh, uh, Noah's Ark, get yourself down the whip switch. Yeah. <laughs> Bring your woodworm with you. <laughs> <laughs> that went on two by two and all. Yeah. Just the, <laughs> the only thing that survived. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, to get on with other people, you know, I think it sounds like a lot of hard work to build a gigantic boat, you know, when he says he wants it to be a talking point, you know. I think he's made it hard work for himself there, don't you? <laughs> I mean, can't sail anywhere. But I think an easy way to do things is uh, is this little information here, right? So it's a little bit like I think the easiest way to talk to people is online now, isn't it? Yeah. You know? yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it can be a little bit impersonal, can't it? Though? Mm, you know, you need to find a way to talk to each other online, which is a bit more personal. And I think they found it. So what they've done is they've created portals installed 376 miles apart, let people interact with each other in real time. So shall I show you a picture of one of these Please. portals, right? Look at that. Oh, that's super cool. That's sci-fi. I think it's just like a little portal, but this is like that nine foot high, isn't it? It looks proper sci-fi. So that's it. So you can sort of, and it's looking onto another street. And the mm. way way it works is, it looks almost like you're just looking down a tube onto a street, but really that's another portal somewhere else. Wow. And just as you're walking past, you can walk in front of this particular portal and just chat with whoever's on the other end of it. Oh, everybody just flipping one off though. What? Be <laughs> 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 about an hour that out before yeah. someone's doing that. <laughs> So a new, uh, this is by Sarah Barnes uh, for My Modern Met. And a new duo of high-tech portals have popped up in Vilnius, Lithuania, and Lublin in Poland. 
like something out of a science fiction film. Inspired in part by the loss of travel and human connection experienced during the pandemic, the large circular eyes mm, contain giant screens and cameras. Recalling something out of Stargate, this installation called Portal doesn't transport anyone who steps through either structure. Instead, they offer a real-time look at the opposing city, specifically whoever is in front of the device at the time. In both Vilnius and Lublin, the portals are within the urban landscape. They're next to a train station in the city central square, respectively. This allows for plenty of engagement on either end, with the people of a city 376 miles apart. And in a larger sense, the portal helped to humanise citizens from another place. So, I mean, I think it's, it's an amazing idea, that. You I know? do. The, the look of it, the, the, the size of it's right there, isn't it? Yeah. It's done on a really good grand scale. It's outside, not in a museum or something. You know, I love that. I love that. I, mean, easy, I think, yeah, since you can just step in. As long as it, I wonder if there's like a common language there, though, because otherwise it'd be quite struggling, might struggle to communicate a little bit. I think it sounds like there's a link anyway, don't there, with that bit of saying that the, um, you know, with the loss of travel and then choosing those two places. There must be Maybe something. Maybe so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. But there is plans to have them all over the world. Wow. So, yeah, yeah but I don't know whether you can tune it in. Yeah. And sort of say, I want to look at the portal in whatever it is now, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know how that's going to work. But I know they're going to have these portals elsewhere. Like time zones or something, it's just suddenly just... Blah, 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 and it just changes. Next thing you're in New York or something yeah, like this, yeah. you know. And it would be weird because then... Because it does look like you're just looking into that world. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. you know, it'd be weird if it's like night time there or something. Yeah. Or even if it's like, you know, the other side of the world. It could be like winter when you're in the yeah, middle of summer. Yeah, you know, crazy, dark and snowy you're in the desert. Yeah, something. and I think it do, it's a good thing as well to talk to people from different places because it's easy for us to go to... I mean, it should be somewhere like uh, um, Afghanistan. So yeah. like, because we don't imagine what it's like in Afghanistan. We just sort of say, oh, right, oh, yeah, they're bombing this or blowing that up. And yeah. Very far removed from it. Yeah. But if we can see something in real time... Oh, it, oh it's us that's blowing everything up. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> this is a, you know, it humanises places yeah, that we're definitely. doing, you know. And it's yeah. like, or even like, I don't know, even towards like rainforests or something, yeah, you can see yeah. in real time what's happening. Like we're all pickers' nose, we're all fat, you know. It's, it's a kind of a good way to see it, in a way, isn't it? Wait, is that what you intend to do in front of your <laughs> oh, <hi. laughs> <laughs> scratching my ass. <laughs> I'd like to see one of the first times somebody does something absolutely obscene in front of it. It's though. good, but like I say, within hours that'll be happening. Yeah, somebody there, it was the guy in a Mac there, yeah. what, if it's straight out there. <laughs> <laughs> Just be like, spread his wares across the planet in international fashion. <laughs> but no, I do. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good structure. Really interesting. I'd love to go on one of these. Yeah, definitely. No, it's a great idea. It just looks ace. It looks I know. so sci-fi. I know, that's it. That's when We always like a bit of sci-fi. Don't oh, I. <laughs> mentioned earlier that we might be taking a little trip to Ireland or something, Ooh, you know. The Emerald Isles. That's it, you know. But we're going to start there first by visiting uh, irisharchaeology.ie. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's a little website that comes archaeology and things. And it was, um, it isn't actually in Ireland, this, but it's sort of, they've obviously, the the old Irish uh, uh, archaeologists there that have been taking a little look at something. But we don't have a look at it too. And this is a strange thing. It's called Odin's Skull. A macabre amulet from Denmark. Mm. And it says, This rather macabre artefact was found during an archaeological excavation in Rhine in Denmark. And it consists of a fragment of human skull that was subsequently fashioned into an amulet. 
and it measures 6 centimetres by 8.5 centimetres in size and contains a small hole which would have allowed it to be worn on a necktie. The amulet dates from around the mid 8th century, so sort of 1200 years ago, that sort yeah. of thing, you know. A time when Denmark was still a, pre a predominantly pagan country and it contains a number of lines of inscribed runic text and these give an insight into the object's original function. So do you want to look at it? Oh, please. He's a goosey-goosey gown. So that's it down there. Oh, it's not right round. It's very jagged, isn't it? You <coughs> can see the, um, the hole where you put it on, but it doesn't yeah. look like a comfortable bit of... Uh, but no, it doesn't look a particularly sort of comfortable thing. It's just basically a chunk of skull. Yeah. yeah. But it's a chunk of human skull, so it's like, where the hell did you get that from, you know? But the runes, they've, they've, they've worked out what the runes said. That's sweet. And they say, Wolf and Odin and high tear is help for burr against these pain and dwarf sword burr dwarf sword burr Stratwater rings I know so the runic inscription appears to invoke a triple force of protectors to fight a dwarf <laughs> that's not the thing right wow and these are Ulf or wolf which may represent Fenrir and Odin, which you mentioned, you heard mentioned that yeah, poem there, yeah. Nathan, and it leads to the chief North Norse god, right? And followed by High Tyr, it says, who is probably the warrior god Tyr. So what he's asked for help for is Ulf and Odin and High Tyr, all these people <laughs> to help him to fight the dwarf, right? Go <laughs> okay. back to Billy Dobson, <laughs> and then he says they want him to help. <laughs> <laughs> I'll feed him on my own. Only <laughs> fucking Odin. <laughs> Careful, he's a spraffing twat. Yeah, <laughs> love your car tires off as soon as look at you. <laughs> and he's asking these three powers to help Burr, right? Which is most likely Body or Burry, which is Odin's father. So he's actually sort of turned around and said, Look, you three amazing, sort of powerful deities, help, you know, Odin's dad, help yeah. me. Christ, how hard is this war? Must give it right knacking, must it? <laughs> well, what it says is in Norse mythology, Odin was thought to have healing powers, while dwarves were often associated with disease. Alright. In light of this, the pendant may have been used as a talisman to protect against illness. So the use of a human skull probably imbued the amulet with extra potency. And this is not unlike the role played by corporeal relics in the Christian tradition. So for when they say corporeal relics, it's like if you... Um, like Jesus' foreskin. Oh, the, that's not a shit, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that one. That is a church with Jesus' supposed foreskin. That's it, you know. <laughs> what if they've got that, though? What if they can uh, genetically uh, re replicate yeah, Jesus? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get Jesus from his dick end. <laughs> Just a midget. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, is that, you know, I think people do find, like, reliquies and stuff like this and sort of holy relics. I mean, I've seen some weird ones, oh, you know. Yeah. yeah, I've seen some weird ones. It's like I've seen things like uh, there's meant to be like a, a solidified blood. There's meant to turn a liquid, like on certain dates. Wow. I've seen um, I've seen hands, mummified hands, Ooh. of, of like um, uh, sort of 
saints and all sorts of stuff. I love it. I love going to a, a foreign city. One of my favourite things is going to the church and seeing uh, what madness is inside. Yeah, that's good. Idea. Yeah, it's, it's good fun. It's good fun. It's all yeah. that sort of stuff. You know, you go to the reliquary in there and you, yeah. you'll see all sorts of mad shit. Yeah, Pieces of the true cross. Ooh, that's yeah. good. I like that sound of that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. good stuff. But this here, this, I mean, this is obvious. It's a human skull. It's got the runes on it. And it's, it's meant to be sort of create some sort of like m amazing amulet but yeah when you look at this piece of skull and we will put this on the social media as a cracking curve and you look at these this skull you think who's been wearing it yeah. what what was what's that piece been through you know yeah. that piece of skull i mean to start Plastic, with yeah. and to start with just even as it was in somebody's head what it, what it got to there yeah. and then when it wasn't it was fashioned into this amulet or you know some viking will have been wearing it so Hey, he's absolutely mad to it keep. Is, isn't it? Especially, I'd like to see him scrapping a dwarf, though. That'd be quite a good fun, <laughs> wouldn't it? Really hard dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I wonder what the obsession with dwarfs was back then, you know what I mean? Maybe it was that bit where they're wearing that so they don't get a dwarf in the family. They're scared of. Yeah. I suppose it's that fear of something different, isn't it? You know what I mean? I think in those times it will have been, yeah. yeah. The idea as well, it, I suppose if you need to be big and hard to sort of like fight people or yeah. sort of like. You know, whatever you do, because it's a warrior cast outlet to watch yeah, a tower. A little, like a, a, a small person um, born into your family might be seen as a bit of a sort of like a, 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 a yeah, yeah. But, you know, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be at all, no. No, nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, yeah. as we've seen sort of like on the Game of Thrones, the old Tyrion Lannister, you oh, know, right. he's, you know, he shows the, the wit and wisdom of the man, you know, yeah. and, he's, and he's, he's brave as well, so it's like, you Is know. Is he a Iron Seen show? Like, Have you not? It? No, I've never seen what any What have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> Playing wee golf, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's ace, he's Game of Thrones. I know, yeah. and it's, it's a bit of a thing to say, oh, uh, Game of Thrones is ace, but yeah. no, Game of Thrones is ace. Everybody says it. It's <coughs> yeah. like Breaking Bad, I haven't seen that. Everybody says that. Oh, no, I've never seen it. What were you yeah. doing when that were out? I don't know, playing wee golf. That's <laughs> <laughs> like wee golf, what can I say? <laughs> Man alive. <laughs> Fair play, you know. <laughs> What would be your amulet to get you through a good ground of golf then? Uh, it's normally a whiskey and beer and a little chaser. <laughs> what, you have a chaser for whiskey? Uh, well, I have a beer, then I have a can of beer just to top up, you know what I mean? Then a chaser. Wow. Uh, and then my vape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, popcorn long. Gets me through. <laughs> So we're going to stay in Ireland now. Nice. Ah, we're staying in the Emerald Island. Have you ever right? been? I've never been. Yeah, I have. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've been a couple of times. I yeah. love Ireland. Ah, right. I love yeah. it. It's, it's just amazing. I love it. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a place of genuine mystery. Yeah. And it's, but I always find the Irish, uh, they're just, you think, oh, well, we've got a common language. Well, obviously, they've got an Irish language themselves. Yeah, they've got yeah. a Celtic language. But it's like, it, the, the primary language is English, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you think, oh, well, because we can speak the same language, we're going to be very, very similar. Yeah. I just find them the most foreign people. Yeah. You yeah. know, even being on holiday and stuff, I always got really on with them. They're absolute party animals. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Great fun. Really, 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 really fun. I, I love yeah. it, you know? But although we are actually in Ireland, right, mm. we're not going to be actually on Ireland to start with. We're off the coast. Ah. Because this is the legend of High Brazil. The Phantom Island of Ireland. I love I Brazil. I've heard of this before. Oh yeah. Yeah. I hope you go as deep as I've heard about it. Oh well, it's good. Is so. This is a story from Brian Hill for Ancient Origins, mm. and he writes: Hi Brazil is a mysterious island appearing on maps from 1325 to the 1800s. Yeah, yeah. 
In Irish myth, it was said to be clouded in mist, except for one day every seven years, when it became visible but still could not be reached. Stories about the island have circulated throughout Europe for centuries, with tales that it was the promised land of saints or a paradise where an advanced civilization lived. Right? On most maps, the island was located roughly 321 kilometers off the west coast of Ireland. Yeah. So that's about 200 miles off the coast, you know. Off the west coast, and that's it's it. further away from us. Sort of heading towards America, sort of off that coast. Heading yeah. Towards, yeah, that's it, yeah. And it's, uh, it's in the North Atlantic Ocean. And one of the most distinctive geographical features of High Brazil on those maps is it often appears as a circle with a channel or river running east to west across it. So imagine yeah. it almost like looks like a, like a paracetamol kind yeah, of thing, you know yeah. what I mean? It's that sort of thing. It's yeah. a, which I think is very distinctive, yeah, that yeah. idea, you know. So High Brazil is also known as High Brisel, Brasil, um, Brisel and Brasia, right? right yeah. uh, it's, it's derived from the name Brisal, High, meaning high king of the world in Celtic history. So it's like almost like the, it's like we believe like I don't know what like King Arthur. We might believe yeah, like an island. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was noted on maps as early as 1325 by the Genoese cartographer Angelino Dulcet, where it was identified as Brasil. It later appeared in the Catalan Atlas in 1375, which placed it as two separate islands with the same name, Isla da Brasil. So it's almost like saying that channel in the middle might yeah. be sort of separate into two different islands. And they're all saying it looks like you said it's so distinctive, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, that's it, you know. And in 1436 it showed up as Sola de Brazil in a Venetian map by cartographer Andrea Bianco and attached to one of the large islands of a group in the Atlantic. This was identified for a time with Mater Island. So there must be an island out there called Mater Island, yeah. you know. And it would show up again in 1595 on the Ortelius map of Europe and Euro Europa Mercator map, and occasionally show up slightly different locations on different maps all the time. Wow. So it could be the case it's appearing on one map and then the cartographer himself isn't actually doing the map. I've heard it before that like the ancient map makers sometimes used to like trade maps, you know, to get bigger maps. They'd, yeah. they'd do their area and then they'll like trade it to someone else who's made their area oh, and right. like then they start making complete ones, you know, yeah. obviously. So I've done Europe, you've done Africa, exactly. let's have a swaps it. Yeah, exactly, right. go back with our maps and stuff. Um, but I've heard, again, Ireland were really good map makers from the monks. Um, oh, right. And they could have been like the first person in the Americas from the West um, were the, the Irish monks. Because they used to just like, you know, for a bit of a penance or a bit of a like, you know what, uh, I need to not speak for a couple of years and I need to like be on my own and reflect about God. Uh, and I can't concentrate at the moment, there's too much distractions, so I'm going on like a bit of a pil pilgrimage. Uh, and they used to carve a, a fucking wooden ball. Yeah. And they used to just get in the sea and say, Right, God, take me. And they used to just fuck off in this little wooden ball. But loads what? of them, yeah, but loads of them came back and, you know, they, loads of them survived, you know what I mean? Uh, but they say the first person to America were an Irish monk, really. And he went across on one of these little wooden balls? A little wooden ball. And God looked after you him. You didn't dream of this, did you? No, I read it in an old book. It's a really famous one. I'll, I'll, I'll put a picture of it. I read it before. And there is literally the picture. What you need book. to do, I'm, I'm challenging you for next time. We've got yeah, a little challenge. book's downstairs somewhere in this library. I'll dig oh, it out. All right. <laughs> So in 1480, John Jay Jr. departed from Bristol 
England, on a journey to find the fabled island, only to come back empty-handed after spending two months at sea. God, so two months already. Really that's, that's a long time, isn't it? That area, wow. yeah. In 1481, two more ships, the Trinity and the George, departed from Bristol on an expedition to find High Brazil with no success either. Interestingly, in 1497, Spanish diplomat Pedro de Ayala reported to the Catholic monarchs of Spain that John Cabot, the first European to visit North America since the Vikings, had discovered in the past by the men from Bristol who found Brazil. So they're saying that they found it, you know. Did they go, you know, to land or Well, he's, he's saying he, he sort of like met a bloke who's found it. So it could be Billy Bullshit, yeah, really, yeah. which is, yeah. Ah, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, that's it, you know. So this implied someone, uh, someone from one of the Bristol expeditions had actually managed to find it. So nearly two centuries later, Scottish sea captain John Nisbet claimed to have spotted High Brazil on his voyage from France to Ireland in 1674, and he is said to have sent a party of four ashore, where the sailors spent the entire day on the island. Wow. There they claimed to have met a wise old man who provided them with gold and silver. And strangely, the captain said the island was inhabited by large black rabbits. Right? Wow. And a mysterious magician who lived in a large stone castle by himself. We've covered this before about them rabbits. We've covered have it I? on the show before about this fucking giant rabbits. And, but carry on, yeah, because I have heard the rabbits and the magician before. I'm sure yeah. you told So a follow-up expedition was led by Captain Alexander Johnson. Fucking rabbits, giant rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> that me is, and you know, all them classic wizard towers. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's an adventure, is that shit? Isn't it? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> That's a right holiday destination. <laughs> but he's saying that Captain Alexander Johnson, who he uh, he did like a follow-up expedition, he says he could, he found he confirmed Nisbet's findings. He's gone there. <laughs> he, <laughs> giant rabbits and a magician in the tower. Fucking Paul Daniels and a load of bunnies. Well, <laughs> 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 fucking Labradors. Boom boom. So in the following years, High Brazil would retreat into anonymity. As attempts to find it failed again, map makers started leaving it off most nautical charts. And when it was observed on a map in 1865, it was simply noted as Brazil Rock. The last documented sighting of High Brazil was made in 1872 by Robert O'Flaherty and T.J. Westrup. Westrup claimed to have visited the island on three previous occasions and was so captivated by it that he brought his family with him to see it in person. There, they all witnessed it appear out of nowhere only to see it vanish again before their very eyes. Were it still full of rabbit? I think I don't think they saw it close enough to have a look at the bunnies. I think uh, they sort yeah. of saw the island on the horizon yeah. and as they went towards it, it disappeared. So wow. it's unlikely a mirage, you know. Yeah. There are many myths and legends surrounding High Brazil and in some of them the island is the home of the gods of Irish law. In others it is inhabited by priests or monks rumoured to hold ancient knowledge which allowed them to create an advanced civilization. Some think that St. Brendan's famous voyage to find the promised land may have been High Brazil, right? So I don't know that. I don't know that one for St. Brendan's voyage to find the promised land. I don't know that. But in one famous UFO encounter known as the Rendlesham Forest incident... This is what I was going to get to. baby. A strange craft is reported to have landed outside a US military base in the UK and Sergeant Jim Penniston claims to have touched this aircraft and telepathically received 16 pages of binary code into his mind. Oh, this is fascinating, darling. And he wrote down the code the next day and had it translated decades later, 
and the code was said to list a, a very specific coordinates of Hong Brazil and listed the location where ancient cartographers had it mapped. And the message also listed the coordinates of several other ancient sites around the world, such as the pyramids at Giza and the Nazca lines. Yeah, yeah. And at the very bottom of the message, coordinates of High Brazil were listed along with an origin year of 8100. So while Atlantis may have been the most famous lost civilization, High Brazil is better documented and has more eyewitness accounts behind it. And the legend could be a story that was passed down through generations from the end of the last ice age when sea levels were lower. For example, the so-called Porcupine Bank, discovered in 1862, appears to have been an island at some point in time. Located about 193 uh, kilometers uh, west of Ireland, it is a shoal exposed extreme low tide and is where an 1830 chart had Brazil Rock located. Wow. The bank's highest point is around 200 metres below t sea level and was sunk either due to a catastrophe or rising sea levels. And today, no such island called High Brazil exists on any maps or nautical charts and no historical documents were ever recorded to indicate what happened to it. And mainstream historians simply consider it a case of mistaken identity. Nevertheless, it is a peculiar riddle in history that is likely to be debated and discussed into the future. Crikey, that's a tale, it is, isn't it? I love that. And it's easy. I mean, I, I, I don't discount it. The idea that you know something could have been there, something yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, we've well, had see, the the patterns that see do change. You know, yeah. rise and falls. Well, that's certainly even there. The island, it might be, as I said before, it might be like a, a, a sand, a massive sandbank, which had been so big, yeah, yeah. and during steady periods of it might have been had the things on it, you know, but then a massive storm might have washed it all away, or who knows? The probability is someone's kind of gone onto island, haven't they? I had a big fight with rabbits and then got <laughs> seek magician, you know, kind of got your prize, ran off and it all collapses like in a movie. Maybe you know so, I mean? that's what... But going back to sci-fi bit to it, the, um, it goes deeper, does the hybrids of what it is and why it links to the, you know, the, the other sites, there's, you know, it goes to the hollow earth. And oh. there's, there's like mad underground super highways that you know UFOs tech you know and all this oh. sort of stuff and that's part of it and they're still supposed to like UFOs shoot out of them areas as we know now the sort of like the, the, the Pentagon are admitting out a certain sort of like UFOs exactly. or something's happening in the sea at the yeah, moment yeah which know? is just such groovy like I said before there's some photos at the moment out there everybody have a little look on the internet because there's some really fascinating images that are um, America are sending over about what the crafts look like. So, yeah, there's four that are just brilliant. Really, well, this is so I think we might have to have a little look at this for yeah, a crack and curve. Be a nice little sniff round. Yeah. Especially it's happening in July. It's coming soon. What is coming soon? Well, the disclosure. Well, they're going to admit summer, I think. Anyway, we'll right. have to see July what it brings. Yeah, yeah. I always case it's, think it's going to be something quite underwhelming. You know, it I mean, could be fucking giant rabbits and wizards. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it is. I hope it Let's is. Let's hope they found High Brazil yeah, and it's full baby. of rabbits and wizards and gold oh, and silver. Yeah, I love around in Ireland a little bit more now you Lovely. see you know and it's like we're talking about things that might be underwater right nice. and there's some things in in Ireland that could be underwater which could be deadly and this is the legend 
of Ireland's Hound of the Deep, the Doa Koo. Wow, Hound of the Deep? Hound of the Deep, right? <laughs> and this is by Rachel Rafferty for the Irish Central, right? And it says, Although Irish folklore is littered with legendary ghoulish water creatures, few are as scary as Doa Koo. Considered by some to be Ireland's version of the famous Loch Ness Monster, Doaku is a mythical lake monster that has inhabited lakes in the British Isles since ancient times. The, the name Doaku roughly translates and it means water hound or hound of the deep. <laughs> Brilliant. And it's thought to be a cross between a giant otter and a hound. <laughs> <laughs> giant otter? This is, this is one of my favourite episodes. <laughs> And the Doaku is about seven foot long, oh, right? yeah, baby. Or about the size of a crocodile. Oh. But do you know this such thing as giant otters, giant river otters? <laughs> You're pulling me busy. You no, straight. No. How big? About this size, about six foot long. What, now? Yeah. What, there's giant otters that are six foot long? Uh, do you want me to find a picture of a giant there's otter? Never <laughs> this is like some Mandela effect thing. There's never uh. been giant otters. <laughs> Why wouldn't I have seen one if there's giant otters? Could you have been anywhere where giant otters well, are? Well, tell it. Fucking hell, I've seen enough of everything else. How many <laughs> elephants you see? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, please be true. That's one. Well, you need to put it in perspective. It could be looks like a little one to me. Don't have one with baby next to it. <laughs> right, that's that's another picture one. I'm trying to find some perspective whoa, from it. Whoa, whoa, that's pretty good. What's it say below? What's it called? Giant otters. Right, and I'll get you the length and I'll get you the dimensions of yes, the Yes, please. Right. Yes, please. <laughs> See how it were running then, though? Yeah. Like, look at that. Well, one of them fuckers coming after you, would you? Like, if it ran like that, imagine in water. So it's the giant river otter, right? It's a South American carnivorous mammal, and it is the longest member of the weasel family, <laughs> right? And King Weasel? And they, uh, they reach up to 1.7 metres long. <gasps> That's. About the same as me, isn't yep. it? And they weigh oh. about 24 kilos. I don't know how much I weigh, but are we like, am I like pound for pound? Could I get in ring with it legally? <laughs> well, the thing is, is well, you've got to be careful with animals like that because it's not just a case of... Oh, I'll find the weight of it for you. So 24 kilos. Uh, so 24 kilos is about three and a half stone, right? That's no... Three and a half kilos, three and a half stone. Three and a half stone's quite heavy. I mean, well, but, maybe in the eight, I'll have a wrestle. Well, I think, I think yeah, you might eat your face off. Oh, These yeah. things are really powerful. <laughs> Wrestling giant otters. So Give they, me two. So I mean, so seven feet. It's not quite seven feet, but yeah. so one thing I will have to cover at a, a later date. There was a legend. There was a legendary creature called the king otter. Cool. That is meant to be massive, yeah, loads yeah. bigger, you know what I mean? But it's like, we'll, we'll cover that at a different time. Yeah. But this is, I mean, this really, perhaps this could be the King Otter that we're talking mm -hmm. about here, the Doaku. So the Doaku is a bloodthirsty, gruesome creature that lives deep in waters of a lake, river, or even the sea. And he's known to be able to travel great distances in water or on land. And this monster hound is known for its speed, aggression, and appetite for human flesh. And there are usually two of these creatures, and when one is killed, its mate will swim up from the depths and avenge the killing by pursuing its attacker, killing him and eating him. Wow. And this happens because when the Doaku is about to die, it gives off an eerie, high-pitched whistle to warn its mate. Whee! 
<laughs> it's a dying Dowaku. <laughs> so like the legendary Bigfoot and many other creatures, Dowaku is known as a cryptid, a term that refers to a creature or plant whose existence is unrecognised by scientific consensus and is usually regarded as highly unlikely. Yet, in Glenaid, County Leitrim in Northwest Ireland, there is evidence to suggest its existence. <laughs> Get in. Reports of sightings of Dowaku date back to as far as 1684, and one was recorded by Miss Walkington in the 1896 edition of the Journal of Royal Society of Antiquaries of Ireland. And Miss Walkington described it as being half wolf dog and half fish. Oh. And a few months afterwards, Mr. H. Chichester Hart responded to Miss Walkington's letter, and he said that he had heard rumours about a gruesome creature called Doaku, which is said to be king of all lakes and father of all otters. <laughs> Daddy it. otter! <laughs> what's in your pocket? <laughs> but he's a what's his name, is that, isn't it? It's a, it's a gay classification. Yeah, yeah, a, we're on about it. I yeah. think I told you on the show. You'd be classed as an otter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bit of a paunch going on. <laughs> I think a twink turns into an otter. Is that right? Yeah, is that so. how it works? And you get a bit older, got a bit of a belly in him. Yeah, an otter. <laughs> The creature is believed to live in many lakes around Ireland. Shaheen's Lock, or Achill Island, in County Mayo. I've actually been to Achill. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very beautiful. In County Mayo is where the largest number of as yet unsubstantiated modern sightings in Ireland have been. Apparently, a small population of Doaku lives in Shaheen's Lock, although it is believed that they are migratory, not living in the lake all year round. As recently as 2000 AD, <laughs> Irish artist Sean Corcoran and his wife claimed to have witnessed a sighting of Doaku in Lake Omai Island in Connemara, County Galway. Yeah. Now, uh, Connemara, if you don't know, is like a national park over there. Yeah. And it is possibly the single most beautiful place I've ever been to. It is insanely beautiful. Wow. We hitched a, a lift um, and it, this sort of winding through these hills and things, this car, and then it just came to like a little lay-by. That yeah. overlooked the Colmara National Park and it was like something from a mad dream wow it's just green and these little lakes and rolling hills it just sounds really lush desire yeah. you know when I see some pictures you know like on fishing shows and I think oh that's really green the green is really green the reason is yeah. because it's always pissing it down ah, <laughs> that's why it's, it's raining all the yeah, time you know yeah. what I mean so when they have this sighting you see in Colmara Cochrane describes it as large and dark with orange flippers, which is a bit weird. <laughs> cool. The creature, reports Corcoran, swam the width of the lake from west to east and it what seems like a matter of a few seconds. And Corcoran concluded that it finally leapt onto a huge boulder before disappearing and gave the most haunting screech. <laughs> <laughs> And these are more frightening than selkies, which are seals that can take the form of humans. I've heard of them, yeah. yeah. Or famous kelpies, which are the mythical water horses said to inhabit yeah. rivers and lakes in Scotland and Ireland. Dowaku is considered to be an immature form of the famous Loch Ness monster. Wow. Affectionately known as Nessie, which we all know about that yeah. sort of thing, you know what I mean? But there's also a further interesting link between Ireland and these two monsters, which continues to this day. The link be, uh, begins with the first sighting of the Loch Ness Monster in Scotland in the 7th century by the Irish missionary St. Columba. 
And uh, Columbo was also the first to challenge and overcome the Loch Ness monster. So he sort of stood on a rock and said, <laughs> and said "Where are we all next Thursday?" <laughs> <laughs> Don't say Columbo. <laughs> Just one more thing. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> so by using his spiritual powers, he's said to have defeated Loch Ness, the Loch Ness monster. You know. Yeah, he says, and getting free pints at pubs or restaurants. I know that's it. You know. And the, the what the thing because. Of, um, because he was defeated, or because he, he managed to save this man from be, being devoured, that's what Saint Columba did. You yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, and to avenge this, they reckon that the Nessie's offspring came to the lakes of Ireland to to uh, uh, to get Saint Columba, kind of thing. You know. Uh, hey. So lest you think that the Doaku is just another imaginary fable, be aware that there is some evidence suggest it may be real. What is more, another theory suggests that this creature travels extensively. Some researchers, for example, connect the famous lake monster Bessie, which is said to inhabit Lake Erie in the US, with the Irish Dowaku. There have been several sightings of this large serpentine monster that follows Irish immigrants to the heartland of America. Un an unconfirmed sighting of Bessie described a terrifying encounter with a huge lake creature that killed three people in 1992. Whoa! So I don't know what Lake monster, yeah, 1992. So, so I don't know what the hell happened there. <laughs> a more elusive but similar sinister creature has apparently been attacking swimmers in the Pump House Beach near Port Dover in Canada since 2001. God. So other reported documents that these creatures inhabit various scattered locations all over New England, as well as the Great Lakes region. So yeah. there's so much water kicking about these yeah, places. Yeah, Anything yeah. could be, in them, you know. However, of all the sightings of Doaku, it is the account in Glenade, County Leitrim, of 1722 of the bestial murder of Grace McLaughlin that is the most famous. Oral tradition in this part of Ireland still holds that the story of the Doaku of Glenade is true. And this is a story as related by local storyteller Owen McGowan of the townland of Ahanlish, Kinloch, County Leitrim. So Grace McLaughlin, known as Grace or Grainy McConnelly, custom at the time was that a woman retained her maiden name after marriage. She lived in the townland of Creevely, which is close to the border of Leitrim and Sligo, on the northwest part of Glenade Lake. On September the 22nd, 1722, so they've got an exact date for this, right? Grace came down to the lake to bathe and perhaps wash some clothes. And while she was doing this, a huge monster emerged from the water and savagely attacked, then killed Grace. Oh, God. She was later found by her husband, Terence. Mm -hmm. Right? So Terence saw her bloodied body on, on the side of the lake and, to his horror, saw the huge beast which had killed his wife lying asleep, asleep across her dead body. Oh, he'd had his fillet on the belly. I've like, oh, uh, got a bit snoozy. Yeah, got little a otter snooze. little otter snooze. He had a little snooze there. Right? Oh, God. Heartbroken with grief and fury, Terence knew at once that it was a Doaku. So he immediately found his dagger and killed the monster. Wow. However, as is usual with this kind of creature, during its death throes it let a high-pitched whistle. <laughs> which alerted its mate to what was happening. Oh, and a second Doaku emerged at once from the depths of the lake. Whoa. Terrified. Terence took to his heels and, jumping on a horse, began to ride for his life as, a, as the second Doaku pursued him. Oh, what a scene that is! Wow! And Terence rode for many miles with Doaku close behind. 
and a local man, Patrick Doherty, told historian and folklorist John McGowan's story of the chase. So that's where he's got the story, you know. Uh, and it started at Frank McSherry's of Glenaid, and it faltered and ended close to Cashel Garren's stone fort in County Sligo at a blacksmith's forge. Wow, what happened when they caught up then? After being chased for miles, <laughs> Terence was obliged to stop to have his uh, horse's foot reshored, so he'd thrown a hoof and he had to wow. act right. The blacksmith at Cashel Garren was a wise man and he knew the ways of the creature. <laughs> and he gave Terence a sword and told him, when the creature charges, he'll put his head right through your horse. What? Wow. So, and as soon as he does this, be quick and cut his head off so the uh, weight in there, right? The fucking so, horse is looking there like, you yeah. what? <laughs> come, come again. <laughs> Weasel's going to do what? <laughs> no, Neddy, no. So Terran, still on his horse, stood his ground near the forge, right? And the huge beast came at him full charge. And then he put his head right through the horse. <laughs> I love that. Exactly as predicted by the blacksmith. And this time, however, Terence was ready. And determined to avenge his wife's murder, Terence put his sword through the Dowaku's head, killing it instantly. Cool. And there is further ghoulish detail to back up the story. The grave of Grace Conley exists. <laughs> What's more, carved on her tomb, is a detailed depiction of her killer, the Dowaku. Jesus, that's it. It is located in Conwall Cemetery in the townland of Drummonds. And Drummonds, near the village of Kinloch, is part of the approach to the Vale of Glenade, the Glenade Lake, where this is meant to sort right, of be. Yeah. The tomb itself is so old that most of the written details are illegible. However, Grace's name and that of her husband can be made out. Cool. The carved image of the Dowaku is much clearer. The creature is depicted lying down with its head and neck flung backwards so that it lies flat along its back in its death throes. Uh -huh. And a spear-like weapon is shown piercing the base of the creature's neck, re-emerging below its body and gripped by a human fist at its upper end. Also less well known, both Dowaku and McLaughlin's horse are buried in County Sligo, not far from where Cashel Garren Stonefort were when they were both killed. Oh, at least he got buried off. Oh, That's a lot of digging though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> wonder if they couldn't get it out of oh, so they just had to sling it both in a pit. <laughs> just make it bigger. <laughs> so what do you think of that, the Dowaku? Oh, That's mental, I love it. I love there's so much details on the tombstone and other places have got so much detail. It just makes you wonder, doesn't it? One of the Nessie reports were a copper on a road, and he saw like a big eel type creature, didn't he? Or like, yeah. You know, like that bit where it's half otter, half yeah. like, like a serpent eel thing or fish. That's it. We yeah. don't know. It's hard to describe what it's like, but that's somewhat it's feasible, isn't it? You know, like a if you think about like a horse or a you know any kind of that's oh, not a horse, like a big. I suppose English is a bit shit with um, car carnivorous uh, mammals. Um, but if you think you know the lake with the amount of fish in it back then, yeah. you know it's a good supply, isn't it? Some big, um, yeah. fast. You know, That's it's it. easy got a supply, and then it, you know it's, it's really violent against other things around it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's totally possible, isn't it? Oh, he's just magical. Magical could yeah, be magical. Man. So like I say, the massive king otter though, the oh, yeah, who could Jesus. be able to get you. So, I'll, I'll bring your bring your horse. I see. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So what about shove his head right through? 
No, but that takes a what? Does that take a hole? God, it must be running fast. God, can you imagine noise? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a spectacle that would be! Wow, oh, yeah. So I'll let's let's raise a little glass of the strong stuff to the yeah. legendary creature, the Dowaku. Oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> for us to come away from Ireland for now but I'm afraid it's also it's that time that time already <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid so I can't oh getting into that I know it's been a bit, a bit of a journey there hasn't not it you know? we, we could still do one more oh yeah yeah one more right and I'm, this is one of my favourite stories I've read in, in ages this, this oh, I just love cool. this story right and this is by Adam Forrest of The Independent right now I don't know if you know where the Yemen is right it's, it's sort of like it's a. Why do I know Yemen? Israel area. That, that canyon, it's in the Gulf of Aden, so it's that yeah. sort of area. It, it's it's had a hard time of it as, as Yemen. It's been war torn, perhaps. Is it b- b- bottom end of Saudi Arabia? It's that sort of place, oh, yeah. Oh, they, yeah, they yeah. have had it hard. Yeah, they've been really persecuted. They've been then. really persecuted. They're just so poor, been war torn, all sorts of yeah. stuff going on there. Really hard time of it, the Yemeni people, right? But this is what's happened here. Is that there's no one poorer really than the local fishing communities. They are mm. absolutely on the arse, these oh, guys. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, they're really hard workers. You know, yeah, absolute yeah. grafters. You know, going out and getting the catching all the Doing time. Old school and, still. Oh like, yeah, yeah, with yeah. the nets and stuff in these little oh. boats. You know, they haven't got big motorised ships. It's just oars. Might have a little yeah. outboard motor or something like that. Yeah. But they've got naff all on these guys. You know what I mean? But what happened while they're out, you see, they've been out fishing and all this sort of stuff, you know, and then one of them stood around and said, have seen a whale, right? Mm-hmm. So they go over a bit of dead whale, won't it, right? right? And they're thinking, like, absolute fucking stunk, right? Like, <laughs> anyway, these fishermen, they haven't got much going on, right? So they, so they think, well, anything, we might be able to, let's have a little look, right? Yeah, a bit of whale spew, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Oh, cool, I hope they get a fucking <laughs> basketball size. Right. So these guys, so what they did, they got all of it to a sperm whale. So yeah. what they did was they hauled it to shore, right? And then they could smell something unusual on it. Mm. So there's, it took it took about 35 guys to get this all sorted out, all working together, yeah. get this right. And what they found inside was ambergris, yeah. right? Which is, as, as Benny rightly says there, is like, it's like a, it's like a, I'll describe what it is, right? It's, it's, so ambergris is known as vomit gold or floating gold. And it's formed inside sperm whale's intestines over many years to produce a waxy substance of grey or black colour. And it's used in the perfume industry, right, to preserve scent. Mm. So that's why it's used, but it's incredibly expensive, is this stuff. Yeah. And you can just find this on the beaches in yeah. Yeah, all over the place, you know, right? And you see, you want to find a basketball sized piece, right? Yeah. They didn't quite find a basketball sized piece, right? They found a piece which was 127 kilograms in weight. Oh, what's that? What's that? So basically, it weighs an absolute hell of a lot, yeah. right? It really does weigh a lot. And they've got the asking price for it, right? Yeah. 1.1 million pounds. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So they split this price oh, between the 35 of them, 1.1 million. 
oh, I'm so glad someone didn't rob them or do something with it. That's it. So they've actually got the cash and they're living it up a bit. Oh, well, what they're saying, they, because they get so much, sort of like so much money, right? But it, it, it says it takes about there the Yemeni right in re, uh, Yemeni reals, right? It's that or that's yeah, their pounds, currency sort of yeah. thing, yeah. The, the reckon the equivalent of to, to build a house, get married, and do get yourself absolutely settled for life is eighty five thousand pounds. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So it's a lot of money there. We've got way more than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's oh, like, yeah. that's excellent. So so what's happened is all these fishermen are all building houses, getting married, living happily ever after. <laughs> so I think that's great. You know. So I think. And what happened to the other villagers says like when they got the money as well, right? Um, when they sold the ambergris, they helped the rest of the village with money and with medicines. Oh, so you didn't just selfishly keep it all? Oh, and no, they sorted out the village, village as well. Oh, sorted the whole that village is out. These fantastic. Yemeni guys. And it's cool oh, as hell, isn't it? That's such an heartwarming story, isn't it? You know, you just didn't get in. You hadn't just found a stinky dead whale. Yeah. How did they know, though? They're bloody lucky. I think they there. found it before, I think they knew of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they knew of this stuff. I think that's probably one of the reasons when they saw dead whales. Oh, better go yeah. check it out. Yeah, but there'll be other yeah. things like they probably want to save as well. It's like things like whales' teeth and things like that yeah, you can use true. it for various yeah, things you know yeah, yeah lots of uses for it yeah so it's, it's, it's a pretty cool story the, uh, what, what kind of whale is it sperm whale yeah so they could have had the oil reserve still is that sperm whale um, it could have been, yeah. The oil, it, it, he's, he's there. The will have had oil. Yeah, there's yeah. various things that you can get out of yeah. all the whales if you if you're sort of really resourceful. You know, you yeah. can. You can well, I bet they are. You know, they yeah. Got a lot, well, it is when we when when whaling was a common thing. I mean, the, the whale oil. I mean, that was used to light the whole of the UK. Yeah. It? Lamps yeah. from whale oil, it's which is metal, so isn't it? Weird, isn't it? Yeah. All those millions of people all like firing up on a whale. Oh, I know. <laughs> Give me a smell of being like, everyone oh, smell of burning whale, won't it? It's just horrible. It's a really shocking time for me, how much use we did for it, and how, you know, yeah. uh, what horrible factory it was getting. I know, we touched on it. it before, haven't we? And I, I wonder what it actually looks like, you know, a big lump of that stuff. You know oh, I, mean? I have seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. It does look like, it just it looks, looks hard, like, or is it jelly? It's, it's, it's like, almost like wax. Oh, right. It's like, like wax, yeah. Here, and I think when it's fresh, it's a lot more sort of sloppy. But as it, it, the thing is with ambergris, as it ages, it gets better and better and better as it gets older and older. Uh, and it solidifies a little bit more and becomes firmer to this sort of waxy substance, you know. Apparently it really does reek. I bet, yeah. It's like anything, it's like anything in the perfume industry. You think, oh, why would they use like the musk glands of like beavers and things yeah, in, the, yeah. in that industry? Um, but because these musk, the, the, the musk oil and stuff like that, it does retain smell amazingly <laughs> well. Mucky though, it leaves beavers alone. Get your musk Dig his ass all out. <laughs> it is nasty. We were talking about earwax on robot a couple of years ago. Robot were like moaning at docks and said, all that sort of shit. And it looked. And we could see it was a perfectly round or black round ball of earwax was stuck in his ear, you know what I mean? He was working all day long and banging his head, and he managed to bang it out. And what about banging his head? Yeah, banging his head on this perfectly round, rock hard bit of black earwax. Oh, it was oh minging, wow. It was really like, oh, how's that happened? What's gone on there? Maybe it's ambergris. It Maybe it's like a stinky old whale of a man. <laughs> Let's chop his head off and have a look inside. <laughs> Get a couple of thousand. <laughs> Stinky old beat. <laughs> right, our kid, it's time for us to go then. Aye. So I think, like you say, we'll be uh, we'll be raising a little glass of something, right, to the Dowaku. Oh yes. And I think as well, especially to the little Yemeni fishermen. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah good on them lads. Yeah, yeah. Good lads. Good so it's a big goodbye from me. That's uh, a bigger bye bye from Benny. <laughs> Take care, guys. There are three ways you may contact Kraken. Either by email at 
Podcast at gmail.com on Twitter at Kraken Cove or Instagram at Kraken Cove Pod. Ha ha!